Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, July 26, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket? The first thing we're going to do is get the elephant in the room out on the table. What is that 448.90 to 450.24 number up on the board? What does that represent? Is that a target? Is that where the SPY is going? Is that going to be resistance? Can we even get there? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Don't worry about it. Keep your pants on. What we first do is take a look at the current chart. What's jumping off the page at us? What do we need to notice? Has there been any material change? No. The trend is your friend until she dumps you. They were at new highs on Friday. They continue to make more new highs today. The first thing we're going to note is that over the next day or two, that means Tuesday, Wednesday type of time frame, maybe Thursday, but really Tuesday, Wednesday, the market could be due for some kind of pullback. We're not talking about a collapse. We're talking about a pullback. Where does a pullback take price? We're going to talk about that in a moment. We also need to mention what's on the board this week in terms of stuff. Well, we have a big earnings week. Earnings is already underway, but there's going to be a laundry list of companies reporting this week, beginning today, all the way through Friday morning's activity. What else do we have on the docket this week? We have Kabuki Theater. There's a two-day Fed meeting, FOMC, Federal Open Market Committee meeting. They meet on Tuesday, it culminates on Wednesday with an FOMC announcement on interest rates and then a press conference after the fact. We're not going to spend a lot of time discussing Kabuki Theater. All we need to know is, leading up to Kabuki Theater, the market has a tendency to be quiet. After Kabuki Theater, the market has a tendency to whip around a little bit. And then, also after Kabuki Theater, the market has a tendency to pick a direction and go for the next several days, if you will. Could be a day or so delay, but that's what's on the docket. So we just need to have that awareness. We don't know what's going to happen with the Fed. We don't know what's going to happen with Kabuki Theater. We don't know how the market's going to react to whatever they say. We don't know what they're going to say. We don't really give a hoot one way or the other. We'll deal with the market and price action on Wednesday. Could we be quiet leading up to that? It's possible. It certainly happens from meeting to meeting. Not every meeting is the market quiet leading up to, but a lot of the meetings the market is quiet leading up to the announcement on Wednesday afternoon. Now, before we talk about where would the market go if she pulled back a little bit, let's talk first about the upside. And again, we'll circle back to what the hell is going on with 448.90 to 450.24. Here's the reason I put it up on the board. Once we got into the next big fat round number area, which was ES4400, SPX4400, SPY440, that neighborhood, if you will, you have to start thinking about what's above. Well, the next big fat round number is 4500 in the ES, 4500 in the SPX cash index, and around that 450 area, give or take, in the SPY. Now, There's another reason why those numbers are up on the board. And they're not really an absolute, but they're absolute from the way in which I calculated it 
I'm going to explain it 100%. Before I do, you'll notice as I'm going through this, there's some why would you match up that number with this number stuff going on. I'm aware of it, but if you look further, it's got the potential to be one of those things after the fact you kind of scratch your head and say, really? And then I would say, funny how that works. So when I find numbers like this, and I've put these numbers up on the board before, but I'm going to do a refresher on where they come from. We're going to attribute some of this to the market A may never get there, B may not even stop there if it gets there, and C might just run up there, be attracted to those numbers like a magnet, and turn around and go back in the other direction. So the fact that C is a possibility, we're going to discuss A, where they came from, and B, as long as we maintain the awareness that being inside my head is a dangerous place to be, numbers are a funny thing, they don't always work out the way you intend it, however, I'm giving you these numbers. We go back to the low from 2009. I've done this before, we're going to do it again. So the low was $67.10. Just to get the visual going, here's March 6, 2009. The low was $67.10. It was just an intraday low, it was the pivot low, it wasn't the closing low, it was the low. So, we take $67.10 and we square it and we come up with 4502.41. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, nothing really. Certainly nothing that relates to the SPY. But what if we take that number and we say, well, what if that corresponds to the SPX cash index? Well, if that's the case, and this is an if, this is where being inside my head is, you know, a dangerous place. But I've done this kind of stuff before, and it's worked before, which is why I'm telling you this, because not that I'm saying it will work, I'm saying don't be surprised if we see this number and we can trace it back to not necessarily the methodology that I came up with the number, but just the fact that it had some kind of correspondence to a low in 2009. So, here's what we're saying. On general terms, the SPY is about one-tenth in price as the SPX cash index. Okay, so if that's the case, then let's divide by 10, and what do we get? We get 450.24. That's the upper number. Well, if that's the upper number, what does the lower number represent? It simply represents doing the same exercise, rounding to 67 instead of using 67.10, saying, hey, Sometimes they get to these numbers, they spike them through. Sometimes they get to these numbers, they come up short. Sometimes they hit them on the nose. We never know which one is going to take place, even if they're going to get there. So I'm saying, well, if they come up short, there's a candidate for coming up short. About a dollar or so, dollar and a half short, something in that neighborhood. I realize this has to go in the sidecar of bonkers category. At least that's the appearance today. Just write the number down. Put it on a sticky note, put it aside, put it inside of a draw, and we'll come back later and see what happened. I'll keep it up on the board, and if the market turns down and it looks like that has no chance, we'll take it off later. I'll keep it on the board for a little while. Now, let's talk about if the market pulled back, where would it go? Well, we're still on the daily chart, and we have a couple of important spots. So here, 
the market ran up to make some kind of a high. It was a short-term high, but the market went up to here and it pulled back and then it went up again and it broke out over this spot. Now we've done this anywhere from 100 to 150 million times. So whenever it does come back to that zone, we can expect the market to come back to check in at or run a test of a former breakout area. It's not that far away from current price, but we don't know if price is gonna go up for another two or three days and then come back down, or maybe it comes down tomorrow. We have no idea, but that's a spot that we need to be aware of. What's another spot? Well, there's actually two more spots, but the next two are rather close together. All three are really close together if you think about it. So here's a gap. So the gap is at 435.46. Here's a breakdown candle high. What's the high? 436.06. So those two spots are about 50 cents apart. We'll use the lower number and the gap. All of a sudden, we have a zone developed. The zone is 437.92 down to 435.46. Under normal garden variety market conditions, and this is from a short-term perspective. We're not talking about the day where the market gaps down and it's getting killed and it's down 100 handles by 10.30 in the morning. That's not the type of day we're talking about. We're talking about the norm, the type of 80-20 rule type of days, the 80% type of days that are fall into the normalized category. So when I'm saying under normal garden variety conditions, that's the type of market conditions we're talking about. There's a zone, and I just moved the chart over inadvertently, but there's a zone between, let's call it 438 and 435 and a half that we would be expecting the market to find support. Let's go see what that looks like on other charts, other time frames. We go down to a 240 chart and you can see it blown up a little bit. It's a zone and the case is quite simple. Again, normally under normal garden variety conditions, market ran up to here, it thinks that spot's important. It's sold off, so when it broke above it, it's gonna come back and run a test of an important spot. So somewhere in the vicinity of 438, 437.50, 437.90, 437.81. In that neighborhood, the market should find stability at least on the first hit, on the first run. And if it gets below it, the next logical area is really two spots, but they're really close together. You have a breakdown candle high. That was also important. And then you have a gap that's likely to get filled at some point sooner than later anyway and you have the 20 period moving average on this chart sloping up into that gap or in that general vicinity. So we could say that 435 and a half, give or take, should be garden variety of market support. How about the 120 chart? Again, it's the same chart, it looks slightly different, it's blown up a little more, but we can see here, the 20 period moving average is actually in that zone, and the 50 period moving average on this chart is sloping up underneath that zone, pretty good case why this would be a zone if visited under normal conditions. What's not normal? Well, not normal would be waking up in the morning and gapping below this zone, meaning opening the day below the gap at 435.46. If they did something like that, this whole conversation is off the table. Is it likely during the day that they would cut through this entire zone like a hot knife through butter? It's unlikely. Again, that would be in the 20% of the 80-20 rule. 
Hourly chart, blown up a little more, same routine. This time you have the 20 period moving average at the top end of the zone, and you have the convergence of the 150 period moving average coming up underneath the 435 and a half. Now, keep in mind that as time moves forward on this hourly chart, each and every hour that goes forward, these lines will creep up until the trend changes. My point is, at some point tomorrow, these lines could be closer to that gap at 435.46. Again, just supporting the case that somewhere in this neighborhood, you're likely to get garden variety of chart support. Now, think about this. Price doesn't have to get into the moving averages. I'm just noting, making an observation, that these moving averages are right beneath one of the prices that's within our zone. About inside the numbers, what was going on inside the numbers today? Well, the market was quiet, it didn't do anything. If the market's not moving, traders that are interested to intraday movement for putting on either long or short side trades, they need that volatility, they need the market to move to actually make a trade, to make something happen. So obviously that wasn't happening today, but let's run through the notes anyway just to see what was in there. You can pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts to double-check the numbers anyway. There are numbers on the board. Numbers are always important, but there was nothing to do today. It's nothing that we can do about it. Today was a day when you really needed to exercise patience. Again, what are we looking for? We're looking for an opportunity. 1045, here's a potential opportunity. Would I be interested if the market came down to this price and I give the visual? Yeah, the answer is yes, I would have, but it never happened. You can only affect something if it happens. You can't impose your will on the market. We can't make the market do anything. We just have to react to what the market is doing. That's the way this works. Stocks on the move. There was one stock on the move that hit its price objective. It's Hasbro. It hit its second target. It jumped over the first one. It was a small cupcake in the face. It kind of kept going. It closed slightly above the projected or the suggested, I should say, hourly stop at $100.25. Here it is. You can see the first hourly close here happens to be 101.36. So that becomes a loss situation for anybody that took the trade. It's called a pie in the face, but it's a small one. It's more like a cupcake. Frankly, I know by good measure, not a lot of traders will take a short trade off the board. A, that's why there's not a lot on the board. And B, a lot of people just aren't comfortable doing it. I get that. But as you know, I never run away from any of the information. It is what it is. It's an open book. You see my commentary every day. You see the list of stocks on the move every day. The majority are winners. That's just the way it works out. Sometimes they don't work, and that's the way this works as well. This one was a short opportunity. It didn't work. You lick your wounds and you go on. What's going on over in Camp IWM? So let me explain the three lines on the board real quick. 217.67 is our weekly number. You can see they flirted with it. They ran some tests, and they closed the week back above. Last week's close back above. The prior week, below. This week, they're starting above. Weekly chart. Technically, that's a pretty darn good reversal candle in normal market parlance. You had some volume behind it. 
you ran some tests of some lower pivots that hadn't been visited, you turned around and closed pretty well on the week. All in all, that's a pretty good close, pretty good reversal candle. You have to tip your cap. Now, back to the daily chart. What do we have going forward? Well, we have a busy week. We have earnings. We have Kabuki Theater. And not that this is going to impact the IWM at all. It won't. But just from a market perspective, what's going on this week perspective, we have the Robinhood IPO on the docket. That ought to be interesting to see what happens. Now, you have some big boys in the IPO. I believe it's being led by none other than Goldman Sachs, and I believe JP Morgan may be a co-lead, and there's like a dozen or so other banks involved in this thing. So this is a big deal. If the market collapses before the IPO, they won't be able to get the IPO out. So therefore, not that it can't happen, but don't look for a collapse in the market pre-Robinhood IPO on Thursday. Maybe they go back and forth a little bit, but I wouldn't expect a big slide in the major indices before the Robinhood IPO. Now, what are the two lines above? Well, here's what they are, here's what they represent, and here's why we need them. First of all, they're in a zone, really in between the convergence of those moving averages. So one is at near or in the vicinity of a breakdown candle high. The other one is at the top of the next breakdown candle high. It's also at a big fat round number of 225.50. So 225 is the big fat round number. It's slightly above that. The first line is slightly below that. That's a zone where I will be willing, based on current or real-time market conditions, I would be willing to reshort or put back on the position that I took off when the IWM went down. So what am I talking about? That's from the lazy swing trader. We covered half the position, half of the puts, when the IWM got to 210. Call it lucky, call it math, call it whatever you want. We sold half the position, and I said I would add it back if it snapped back and went up in this zone. It's a longer-term position, could trade it five, ten times over the next couple of months. Do I think it could get up into that zone? Sure, why not? Look what it's been doing. It's been eating time off the clock for the last four days. One, two, three, four. So here we have a move up, and all of a sudden, it's creating one of these bull flaggish kind of things, getting ready or building energy for another move higher. So maybe it does move past 225, we don't know. It's possible that we see some kind of market acceleration this week with the Fed and everything else that's on the docket. That's why it's a real-time type of decision. I'll obviously send an update or an alert out to lazy swing trader members. What's going on down at the transportation department? Not a lot. It was kind of flat-ish today, up 0.11%. That's really nothing. That's on the flat camp. It's kind of doing the same thing the IWM is, only it seems to be creeping higher, like it wants to get into these moving averages, but there's no real slap you in the face, gotta be long pattern on the board. The weekly chart, similar from before on the IWM, the weekly chart had some volume. It was about average, but it was better volume than most of the previous weeks. The market reversed, yet they're still underneath the 20-week moving average. So really, all in all, until and unless they get back above the 20-week moving average 
and close above this stuff and even this breakdown candle high, then there's really nothing doing. They can run some tests, but this is really your bogey up here is the 20-week moving average, it's above 15,000, and then the breakdown candle high is at 15,360 and change. In that area is your zone of resistance, is your overhead resistance, that's going to be your bogey. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? It looks similar to the SPY chart. They're making new highs. Same discussion. Eventually, they'll come back down to retest the former breakout area, but that's really the only thing that's on the board. Other than that, they're in no man's land pushing higher. The XLF will remember this chart. They're in the same place they've been in for weeks. And on a short-term basis, when you look at this from the low, they've had a move up, and we just did this on another chart. Now they're going sideways. That was the IWM. They're building energy to move higher yet again. So they've really been hovering underneath this 50-period moving average all this time, right, in here. So if they break above it, are they just going to go to here? And we've said this a number of times. The longer they're down here underneath, right, doing this, building energy, then the higher they're going to go. So it's not really this breakdown candle high that's going to be the target. It's going to really be a minimum of 38 if they can break above the 50-period moving average on the daily chart. It's not a fait accompli that they will or they can. It's if they do, don't look for this, which is 37.41 to be the resistance. Look for at minimum of 38, if not higher, to be the resistance. What about the flip side? Well, here it is. Daily chart, breakup candle low. What's the low? 35 bucks, big fat round number. Breakup candle low, that's your bogey. On the other side, 35 bones. By the way, it is no more complicated than that. Smash Mouth, they're doing the same thing we just discussed before. Only this time, they're riding the 20-period moving average, so they're riding it in a bullish, flaggish kind of formation, building energy to do what? To challenge 265, 262, 260-something. That's it. That's what they're doing. What takes that off the table? Closing daily below 250. That's it. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.